Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Hey, it's Devin, and I just want to warn you about this episode. It contains language about sexual assault that may be hard to hear. The city of Berkeley has a pretty well-known reputation for being a progressive place. But we also know that's never really stopped systemic racism, classism, or even sexual assault from playing out there. The most recent example of this is at Berkeley High, and students have had enough. It started with words on a bathroom wall. Can I show you pictures of it? This one says, we stand with Jane Doe. Um, And then here's another one. It says, if the school won't protect us, who will end rape culture? On Wednesday, students at Berkeley High will present a list of demands to the school board. The list is going to include specific steps that they say will actually help survivors of sexual assault. And for these students, it's also about addressing rape culture at a school in a city that thinks it's progressive. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. What current students have described to me is basically mounting frustration with continued harassment and assault, either on campus or outside of school that sort of carry into campus life. And inaction or insufficient action by administrators in handling complaints. Vanessa Rancano covers education for KQED. A student who alleges that she was assaulted by a fellow student wrote his name on the bathroom wall. She wrote, blank is a rapist and boys to watch out for, under which women started adding names of other male students whom they allege harassed or assaulted them. So among all these other things that were written on the bathroom walls, there was a line that said, we stand with Jane Doe. And that was a reference to a lawsuit that had just been filed by a Berkeley High student who alleges that she was assaulted in an empty classroom on campus by a fellow student. So from there it grew into names written all over the bathroom walls, and some of the writing spoke to bigger concerns. 
So how did it turn from names on the bathroom walls to student action? It sounds like it created a climate on campus where students couldn't avoid this, right? It was really upsetting for a lot of the women I talked to to be reminded of how common this experience is and, in their opinion, how little is being done about it. Rape has been going on at Berkeley High since Berkeley High was a thing. I I talked to a 16-year-old junior named Eve Worley who said that the climate on campus um, was very tense. Everyone is kind of on edge. Everyone has an opinion about this. And I feel like it's really hard for people to find a common ground because this is such a layered issue. And people don't want to acknowledge that everyone's opinion is shaped by their experiences with this. And opinions can be right or wrong. Like, they can't. It was deeply personal for her and for many of her friends. In my personal experience, after I started sharing my story, all of my friends stopped being friends with me. I got threatened by friends of the boy that raped me, saying like, with the dogs and you're gonna pay for it. And I even had people like, parents of students that I am not close with at Berkeley High, writing emails and sending them to other parents at Berkeley High saying how this didn't happen to me. People that I have not talked to who are trying to tell me what has happened to my, like, self. Vanessa says other students described a sense of sadness and frustration and anger on campus. And that's come to a head in a few ways. At a school board meeting, a student and even the Berkeley High School principal asked for more resources to address the students' concerns. Then last Monday, students staged a walkout close to campus. Some administrators showed up to listen as well. The original plan was just to have that walkout on Monday. But eventually, organizers decided that wasn't enough. And so Monday night, a group of students got together and with the help of some parents, they drafted up a list of preliminary demands that they then decided they would present ideally to district administrators the following day. So on Tuesday, they walked out again and hundreds of students marched down university. They marched all the way to district offices, and then they stormed the building. I mean, there were enough students that they really filled the halls of the administrative building completely. And we are doing this led by the youth, for the youth, in a peaceful way. Eventually, the superintendent came out. Okay, I'm gonna say, if people need to stop coming in, you can make noise outside, but here we are full. He asked them what they need from him. Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to talk? Um, You can can respond. Okay, good morning to every single one of you. My name is Brent Stevens. I'm the superintendent here in Berkeley Unified School District. I've been here in Berkeley for seven months. I started my position as superintendent in July and have been spending the last half a year getting to know the community. Um, I want you to know as I stepped in, I became aware really quickly of the history of student activism and community activism. 
on the topic of sexual harm and sexual assault, both at the high school, in our secondary schools, and around the community. Part of what happened And so the students essentially crowd into this room. There's not space for everybody. Some student leaders are at the front. So we are a group. Um, started out as a smaller group, and then a lot of people joined because we love the support. Um, we want district leaders are gathered to hear what they have to say. They're speaking to some of their personal experience as a rationale for why they want to see these changes. Okay, so what are these demands? They want to see the the district dedicate more resources to addressing their concerns. So they want dedicated investigators to look into these complaints at the school level. Of our demands that we met last night and talked through really uh, deeply about was uh, replacing the contracted Title IX coordinator with a full-time Title IX expert compliance officer and hiring a full Title IX person for BIHS, both who get adequate pay. In the last they want consent training, not just freshman year, but every year, and they want more robust training than the training they currently get. They want training for staff on how to properly handle complaints. And then they want resources put into addressing the fallout of these allegations, right? So counseling, restorative practices, things to help students heal and feel safe. This is only a part of our list that we will bring to you on February 19th. We have bullet point curriculum. We have specific things that we need to be implemented and not only implemented for this year, but as a budget line item so that it continues far beyond when we're in this school because we are going to leave this community better than we got here because there is so much in this It sounds like there aren't any clear procedures or policies to deal with these kinds of cases or the students feel like they're not strong enough. There are clear procedures, but students don't always feel like they're followed, hence the lawsuit. Jane Doe is alleging that school staff mishandled her complaint that they didn't report the assault to authorities the way that they're mandated under law, that they didn't notify her parents in a timely fashion, and that they didn't take steps to ensure that she felt safe at school. That feels very familiar to other students from what I've heard. They really feel that they are not getting what they need from their administration. Legally speaking, what responsibility do Berkeley High administrators have to students who say they've been victims of sexual assault? Take the case of Eve Worley. I think some people think like, oh, an assault happens at a party. If that carries over onto campus in that a student like Eve is being harassed or retaliated against by students who are friends with the boy she's accusing of assault, that's affecting her access to an education, right? And the Mm -hmm. school has an obligation to ensure that she can continue to get a fair and equal education like any other student. I mean, they actually are obligated to find ways to make her feel safe and ensure she can learn. Vanessa says this legal obligation kicks in once a school is alerted of allegations of harassment, usually through a report, but it can also be rumors. Schools are then required to look into it. 
And if they determine a hostile environment does exist for the accuser, they have to take steps to address it. As an education reporter, you know, you've covered protests for other types of movements. How does this one compare to, for example, climate strikes that young people have been leading or, you know, gun control protests that have been happening? It's similar in that students are articulating the same kind of frustration that they've articulated with adults taking no action on climate change, taking no action on gun control. I mean, they're basically saying, if you're not going to protect us, we're going to have to find ways to demand that you do. I think that's actually a really good point, because when you think about like climate change, when you think about gun control, they're not the ones making the laws. Young people are not the ones who are in that position of power. So the, the most power they have is their voice, is their face to put out there in front. And then they hope that the adults do the right thing. And so that seems to be the exact same thing here. Like they only have so much power and they're using it. They do. And they feel like they have a chance to lead on this issue potentially nationally. I mean, they see Berkeley High as historically a a really progressive school that's been ahead of the curb. And this is another opportunity for the school to really lead. On Wednesday, the students are going to formally present their list of demands to the school board. These demands include hiring a Title IX coordinator dedicated just to handling sexual assault cases at the school. It also includes more staff to help with restorative justice, more training for athletic coaches, and education around consent that starts as early as middle school. We wanted to hear from Berkeley High School students themselves. So we called up two students who've been working on this list of demands, and we talked to them. My name is Abigail Sanchez, and I'm a senior at Berkeley High. My name is Spencer Pike. I am a junior at Berkeley High School. Has the feeling on Berkeley High's campus changed over the last couple of weeks since the protests? I think a lot of students coming back to class felt as though It was hard to come back to campus. Um, For me, it was difficult to have conversations about like math or English or any books you're reading with this topic on my mind, just because I wish I was in a position where I could devote all of my time and attention to like the march and to future protests and future um, demonstrations. Yeah, I felt similarly distracted by this thing. And I don't think that coming back to school really changed that because it is gonna be on my mind for a long time. And Spencer, uh, just feeling-wise in this moment, has it, does it feel better or, or worse than kind of when the protests and when this story first, uh, first started? Um, I think it's a little naive to get too happy too early. However, I have been very uh, happy to see, and to some extent, that a lot of the guys at our school are actually opening their eyes to this issue. I think that the um, you know sexual assault and rape are topics that are taboo, especially for a lot of guys to speak about. And when we've been starting these conversations, for example, um, one of my friends uh, was starting this important circle where we could just sit and guys could talk about their feelings about this issue. I think that creating spaces like that where we can talk um, as men about this stuff where we couldn't before is allowing us to, to like figure things out in a more constructive manner than just thinking it in our heads. 
Spencer, I wanted to ask you, um, what's it been like for you as a male student in this moment? Uh, yeah, I think we have a very unique position right now. Um, we have a lot of things to balance because we want to support the women around us because this is disproportionately affecting them. Uh, and at the same time, we're also forced to balance you know, our, our kind of like social pressures of being a guy and being friends with guys who are accused of things. So um, that's something that a lot of us are struggling with. I know I've been struggling with that personally. Um, it's kind of a dilemma to decide like, who am I gonna trust? Whose story am I gonna believe? Um, so that's something that I think a lot of guys are struggling with and have been talking, uh, I've been talking with them about that kind of stuff. You mentioned how these events had made you kind of reflect on your own behavior and, you know, talking about your friends and all that kind of stuff. What kinds of things have you been thinking about? Um, yeah, so I guess speaking a little more to my, like, initial thinking, like, I have always been someone who has been a strong believer in due process and some of that uh, just on a, in a more, you know, behavioral sense has rubbed off and manifested itself in uh, me just not believing uh, the accuser and usually that comes from just the relationships I have with the accused that being said I think a lot of what changed for me was just hearing people's stories and hearing how a lot of things not just the actual event but the aftermath affects people um, because that was something that was uh, speaking to the speeches that happened on Monday I don't know if you heard a lot of them but they were very raw and very truthful and powerful and that was something that really stuck to me and I know it stuck to a lot of people because I think we it's hard to ignore or forget or look past these things when you are hearing it and I think that some of us at least on what used to be my end would say or be worried about false accusations or people trying to ruin lives but I think that concern needs to be shifted to the fact that the act itself of sexual assault is ruining lives and hurting people in an irreversible uh, manner. I feel like there's so many different uh, moving parts to this. You have the administration, you have parents, you have the students groups. It sounds like you're getting some support from adults, but you want more support from the administration and the system that you're actually living in when you go to school. Yes, we want policy. We want tangible consequences. We want certain things that are just a given, like changing the uh, the school schedule of people who are alleged of these terrible crimes. Who do you who do you all look for for inspiration about how to go about what you're trying to do? Well, um, personally. Um, I look up to legislators such as like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and whatnot, but I think we can also look up to our peers who have the bravery to come forward and speak up about their experiences. Um, that is something that takes immense courage and it is something that I have found so much inspiration of, this fearless, unapologetic um, complaint this true and raw complaint that the administration isn't doing what they need to do. And in our committee, um, I've been inspired by all the women who have come together to um, help change this institutionalized silencing of survivors.
After last week's protests, Berkeley High's principal, Erin Schwang, sent an email to parents saying that she supports the students' demands, but that some change will depend on whether there's money in it for the school's budget. For now, Schwang promised more education around consent, including how to report sexual assault, and more restorative justice help for survivors and those who are accused of it. Vanessa said there are other issues at play, like state and federal laws that affect what Berkeley High and other schools and districts can do about this, too. Thanks to KQED's education reporter, Vanessa Rancano, and to students Abby Sanchez, Spencer Pike, and Eve Worley. We are really working hard over here at the Bay to bring you stories that say something about what it means to live and work in the Bay Area. If you like what we're doing, do us a favor, please leave us a review and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It'll help other people find the show. But really, the best way to help us out is to tell somebody about the show. And thanks for doing it. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and editor Alan Montecilio. KQD's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. We also get help from Kiana Mokadam. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Fatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 